Welcome to another episode of Old School Thoughts, and thank you for all that you do to make this podcast possible. I want to thank you for your feedback. I want to thank you for everything you have said to me, the encouragement to keep me going. This is not an easy job to do. And I say an easy job because for me, it's not a job, but it is a job mentally when you have to wonder, do people care? Do they care to know or to listen to what you have to say, what I have to say? Now, my podcast started when I was searching for that Antoine Fisher moment. And for those of you who don't understand or don't know what I mean by the Antoine Fisher moment, it has to do with a movie about a man named Antoine Fisher. And he was in search of his identity, in search of himself. And the only way he was going to truly understand himself was to find out more about the mother that was missing in his life. I grew up fulfilled and secure with siblings and two parents. I never thought about grandparents. I never really had to think about the security of having cousins and uncle, uncles, aunts, or anyone else. I was secure with siblings and two parents. I've never seen nor met any of my grandparents. One aunt, maybe two. I can only recall actually knowing one uncle and he was in and out of my life. So the Antoine Fisher moment happened. It happened, and I started this podcast three years ago. I was not searching for this particular family. The family was searching for me. Because of a picture one of the family members had with me in it as a younger boy. I've never seen the picture before. I didn't even remember taking the picture or being involved in the photograph. And I really thought something big was going to come out of it. I had my Antoine Fisher moment. I had my Alex Haley moment. It was a time that everybody celebrated. And then everybody settled down and went back to their old lives. They didn't need me in their life. And I didn't, in a defensive posture, I guess I really didn't need them. Because we all could say, I didn't know you before now. I have no need to know you. So we're fine. So that leads me to the topic that I've been 
struggling with with this particular episode. It has to do with slavery accomplished its mission. Or should it be family is something else? (laughs) You know. Or you can say what is the impact? Now, as I look at the war between Ukraine and Russia, I assess that war by saying we're watching and we're getting a chance to see how slavery happened. We're getting a chance to see how the Holocaust happened in real life. We're watching dominance try to take over a smaller group. A dominant country taking over a more fragile country. And the dominant country has the ability to create propaganda, to separate families, to steer their own people in a way to say bad things didn't happen and if they did happen it's because the smaller group created their own problem. I'm not going to spend my time assessing the war right now. But it takes me back when Trump became president. Before all the brilliant people began to say, this is a coup. God had already blessed me to say, we're going to watch and get a chance to see how a coup is developed. I saw him coming. I saw the followers coming. Because it reminded me of Jim Jones. And people say, how do intelligent people get caught up in something like that? How do they do it? How how do people get caught up in something like that? And I said, we're watching a coup develop. And we're going to see it real world. So now we're getting a chance to see how slavery and how the Holocaust happened. World leaders watch. They're watching and they've watched what is happening. And for political reasons or whatever reasons, we're still watching. It doesn't matter what the reason is, we are watching. And We are watching this country, this leader, force people to separate. They are dispersing all over the world. And we even have refugees here in in the United States. We're watching our government leaders make a decision about their lives to provide them with a place to stay 
and to supply them with money that seems hard to come by when we talk about reparations. But slavery did its job on Africans in America because it made our ancestors become used to separation. It caused us to feel comfortable knowing that you had no control of your family so don't get too close. Don't spend a lot of time trying to create a relationship that can be taken away. And so barriers were placed in a lot of people. In a lot of those enslaved people, they built barriers. They understood that they had no control. And they created that wall. They created that barrier that prepared them for that day of separation. When emancipation happened, we've read stories and we've heard slave narratives of several people leaving the plantation, which should be called a concentration camp. But they left the plantation in search of their family members who were separated. So I guess we can call them the early genealogists of the family. (laughs) I guess so. Because they left to reunite family members. Then we have those that stayed behind. They realized being separated with no food, clothes, water, shelter, money, that they felt they were better off when they were enslaved. And they became slaves under a different name. Some of them want to say sharecroppers. It doesn't matter. It was slavery under a different name. And that leads me to how this episode came to my mind and why I decided to sit here and share my thoughts. I'm sharing these old thoughts because yesterday, on the 4th of April, my wife and I, we left the house. We went to an appointment, a doctor's appointment. And after leaving that appointment, something said, hey, why don't you just drive to Greenville, Georgia? And without any preparation, my wife agreed to join me 
to drive to Greenville, Georgia. And the reason why I wanted to go to Greenville, Georgia is because I'm, I was trying to figure out how did my family, a large concentration of my family members, end up in Greenville, which is at the junction between 85 and 185, whether it's south or north. But it's at the junction of 85 and 185 in Georgia. And each time that I would go to Atlanta or drive back home to Columbus from Atlanta, every time I see the Greenville, Georgia sign, I always say, I need to go there. There's some reason I can understand why we have this large concentration of family members there. And finally, I made the decision to drive there. I took the back roads and got a chance to go through the small towns between Columbus and Greenville. And when I reached Greenville, I saw this small city hall building. Across the street from that building was a small police department. I mean, just two small buildings. Very accessible. So I parked the car. I went into the city hall. And when I walked in, I saw two ladies sitting in the reception area. And I introduced myself and asked them if they knew anything about the Bowles family. B-O-W-L-E-S. Did they know anything about the Bowles family? (laughs) And when I said that, both of them looked at each other. And then they looked at me and smiled. And I said, (laughs) what? So what are you smiling about? And they said, well, we know the bows. So one of the ladies in particular, she said, I went to school with some of the bows. Hold on just a second. Let me make a phone call. <laughs> so, so she made a phone call. And I'm listening to this conversation between her and the person on the opposite end. And she said, well, you know, I have this gentleman here. He's trying to research the Bowles family. So after she got off the phone, she said, go across the street (laughs) to the police department and ask for Chantrice. And I went across the street and I asked for Chantrice and forgive me if I mispronounce the name, but I think it's Chantrice. And when I met her, she was a court clerk. And she started talking to me about the Bowles family. And not only did she talk about the Bowles family, but she began to talk about the Bussey family, the Mitchell family. And I'm saying, keep going. <laughs> she was so nice about everything. And then she decided to call someone else. 
And she said, oh, we're going to work with you. I am willing to share everything I know. We used to have these family reunions every year. In Georgia, we would do the Mitchells and the Bowles until the pandemic. Now, just a couple of days before, I met another cousin through the DNA match. Her name is Nicole Bowles. And Nicole has agreed to work with me. She's agreed to share information. So after I finished speaking with Chantrice, my wife and I, we went searching for a restroom. <laughs> we went searching for a restroom. And we ended up at a laundromat. And there was a lady there managing the laundromat. And she was very nice. She allowed us to use the restroom. And we walked out of there and said, hey, you know, do you know anything about any bowls in Greenville? And she said, bowls? I'm related to the bowls. <laughs> she said, I'm related to the bowls. And we started talking there in the laundromat. She began to show us pictures. She and my wife evaluated our texture of hair, mine and hers. Her name was Vanessa. And all of a sudden, this, <laughs> this unification was happening right there in this town of Greenville. I was in the center of this family this hub where this group of people know their family members they can talk it like it's nothing and I was just overjoyed I didn't stay as long as I wanted to because I was I wanted to be respectful of the time of the day that they were on their jobs I didn't want to distract them anymore. But they gave me telephone numbers and they said, get in touch with me. That leads me to this conversation. You know, I have met so many people, so many relatives during this quest to reunite families. And I have placed people in certain positions vicariously. They have no control of the impact that they're having on me and how I perceive it. And that's vice versa. But I have taken some of those family members and I've made them the matriarchs. It's kind of like when you look at roots and you you see that they have placed people in this level of hierarchy. Or you look at a Tyler Perry movie and you see where Tyler Perry would always have the matriarchs sitting at the head of the table and when they give the nod or the knuckle on the table, 
That's the approval. And I've discovered those people. I've discovered some in, in the Lima Carter. I've discovered them in Leora Adams. I've discovered those kind of matriarchs where they're at the top of the, the chain. When they speak, I listen. I listen because they have the wisdom to tell me what they're thinking. Then I have Charles Casey who's fighting and building this Casey family train and his members. How actively they they are involved in this family research. They are cousins. Then I get a chance to meet Beverly Adams. And I get a chance to meet Mary Body. You get a chance to meet so many different people. And they become part cousin, <laughs> part sister and brothers. Because all of a sudden you have these conversations with them to where it's just a natural conversation. Then you have Stephanie Mack Coleman or Stephanie Coleman Mack. You have Michael Titus Terrell. And we're all just talking. We have developed this relationship, developed this family to where we are just talking. And then I see the impact of slavery coming through where some just run for the hills. They run for the hills. They don't know how to deal with and accept a new family member. They began to put numbers on relationships like you're a distant cousin, you're a fourth cousin. But yesterday when I was in Greenville and I met Vanessa in the laundry shop, and I said to her, I can't understand why it is so difficult for me to figure out my relationship. Who connects me to Lilla Mae Bowles when she's my third cousin? And, and she immediately jumped on me and said, I don't go by third, fourth. A cousin is a cousin. And I said to her, that's me exactly. But what I was trying to convey was that by Lilla being just a second or third cousin, it should have been easy for me to figure out how we are related. But because people aren't willing to share, because some feel that we have it together, I'm not sharing. It makes it difficult. But it was refreshing to hear someone saying, I don't want to put a number on that. A relative is a relative. She gets it. But getting back to those Africans in America that were emancipated, they left. They sought out to find their family members who were separated. 
And I'm sure when some of them found family members, they embraced each other and they were elated. And I'm sure when they found some family members, they said, I've moved on. I have created my family now. I am the father, the mother, the grandparent. These are my grandchildren. We have a different name now. I I cannot imagine, uh, really, I probably can't imagine how they felt being discarded. But slavery worked. It worked on African Americans both mentally and physically. It broke down families. It separated families. It made it difficult for families to return. It made it difficult for families to grow and understand strength comes from working together. And that the continuous struggles that we endure comes from our ability to accept separation. You know, I never know where these episodes are going to go. I never know the impact. But when I listen to my guests, when I listen to myself, I grow. Each time that I have to step back and listen, I grow. I'm looking forward to this journey of finding out more about the Bowles and the Bussies, the Mitchells, and whatever other name that comes up out of Greenville. I'm looking forward to reuniting with my families after emancipation. You know that I love you. And until next time, be good.